It's Qatar. It's the Netherlands. It's Senegal. And it's Ecuador. It's Group A. And it's the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. It's the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada. I'm Kevin. And I'm Connor. We will be doing a group-by-group -group preview in this series, and this media cast is looking at Group A, made up of Qatar, Netherlands, Senegal, and Ecuador. Yeah, this series will be followed by our next one, which is a team-by-team -team look at their players, and then shortly before the Cup, we'll be doing another series with final updates on both teams and players. This series features a deep dive into the World Cup Finals history of the teams. For a deeper dive still, you can check out any of the nine media cast series we have done so far. We'll talk more about that at the end of this episode. Yeah, so let's look at the uh, three sections that we'll cover in this media cast. So for part one, we begin with a look at who is in the group, which pot they came from, their colors and nickname, and some geographical information about each country, comparing how big each country is in relation to the others in the group. Part two is the longest section, a team-by-team -team overview with a quick review of their participation and major achievements, an overview of their World and Regional Cup history, and a deep dive into their World Cup's finals history. Uh, after that, we'll give particular attention to their recent tournaments and games. And then in part three, we end with a summary of each team and a sense of their current form as we lead into a comparison of the team through their FIFA and ELO rankings head-to-head -head meetings, and the odds on their success. That will launch us into a discussion of their prospects and our predictions. At the end, we will again provide our address and the link so that those who want to delve into more history on the teams can check uh, previous media casts. There is, by the way, a YouTube version uh, of this and a podcast version. They are the same broadcast, but the YouTube version has simple graphics to follow uh, while one listens along. Those can also be found in the show notes. And uh, today I am wearing just a neutral, Connor. I am neutral black, like a referee, like an arbiter. Well, I'm wearing my, uh, my Canada jersey to celebrate the fact that Canada is appearing in its first World <laughs> Cup uh, since 1986. That's true, and I gotta say, for Group F, I'll be wearing uh, uh, red. Is it Group F? Yeah, I'll be wearing red for Canada too. Can't hide my bias there. Yeah, and uh, for Group B, I'll be wearing uh, Wales because I I was I grew up in Wales, so can't really hide my bias there. I'll be wearing red, and uh, for Group G, I'll be wearing red too because uh, I lived in South Korea for fifteen years. And uh, I can't hide my bias there. It's all out in the open now, Connor. How about you? Full disclosure, well, uh, I'll be supporting those same teams. So you'll be seeing, I guess, a bit of red for both of us. Uh, all right. Do you have along. any other teams to confess a bias to? Um, I mean, I am part German, so there, there's some bias there. Um, so, yeah, you'll, you, that'll probably come out at some point. But we'll try and be neutral throughout this series. That's right, because uh, because we're professionals, right? That's right. 
Okay, let's uh, jump into part one and just introduce the teams. Uh, so the part one team um, is the host Qatar. Um, so they're kind of given the, um, you know, the first spot in group A. Um, in terms of their uh, colors, they wear kind of a, a dark red, a, a maroon type color. Um, and yeah, this is their first ever World Cup appearance. All right. Part two. Uh, the pot two team uh, is Netherlands. Um, they're actually from near the top of pot two. They were a top 10 team in the world at the time of these rankings. Um, they, of course, wear their famous orange kit. And some of their nicknames are the Orange, Holland, the Flying Dutchman. Um, but yeah, one of the more distinctive kits you'll see. That's right. And uh, by the way, we couldn't find a, a nickname for Qatar. Um, we'll have to listen during the World Cup and see if they have one. Uh, part three is Senegal. Yeah, the part three team, Senegal, uh, their nickname is the Lions of Taranga. Um, they wear uh, kind of green kits with a bit of red and yellow. Uh, they're the part three team, and like the Netherlands, they're from near the top of part three. Um, they're a top 20 team in the world um, at the time of the draw. All right. And part four is Ecuador. All right. Ecuador, um, their nickname is La Tree. Uh, which is the tricolor reference to their flag, which is yellow, blue, and red. Uh, and I guess also refers to their jerseys, which are yellow with a bit of uh, blue and red around the trim. Um, they're the pot four team, um, and they're kind of in the middle of pot four, um, especially when you take into consideration um, some of the teams that were automatically put in pot four. Those were the teams that had to go through uh, intercontinental or extra qualifying rounds. Um, so, yeah, they're the pot four team that rounds out this group. All right, and uh, just to finish there, I did find a nickname for Qatar while you were talking there, and we have uh, El Anabi, which means the Crimsons in Arabic, the Crimsons. Oh, perfect, so I guess that would be the official shirt color too. That they're Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Okay, well, now we'll move on to a bit of geographical information about each of the countries. Yeah, starting with Qatar, they're a, a small um, country on the peninsula jutting into the Persian Sea. Uh, or Persian Gulf in the Middle East. Um, they're the smallest country in terms of both size and population competing at these finals. Um, just 11,000 square kilometers, um, the smallest host to of any World Cup, and uh, 2.8 million people is their population. All right, that is Qatar, and uh, next is Netherlands. So Netherlands is also a, a small country, um, this time in Northwestern Europe. Uh, they're actually the fifth smallest country by area at 42,000 square kilometers. Um, but they're the 20th, um, 20th largest population of the 32 countries. So kind of near the middle of the pack at 17.7 million people. All right. Moving on to Senegal. Right. Um, Senegal is a country uh, in West Africa. It juts out into the Atlantic Ocean. Um, at 196,000 square kilometers, they rank 18th out of 32 in terms of size, and they rank 21st um, out of 32 in population at 17.2 million people. All right, and finally, Ecuador in South America. Yeah, Ecuador is um, it's uh, in northwest um, South America, so onto the Pacific Ocean, one of the smaller countries in South America. Um, at just 276,000 square kilometers, but the biggest in this group. Um, that ranks 16th overall. 
and their population is 18 million people or 19th out of the 32 countries competing at the World Cup. All right. Well, Connor's thrown a few numbers out there, so we'll just do a, a quick comparison on the demographics there. Yeah, so I guess in summary, all these teams are, are in the bottom half of um, size and population. Um, comparing population, we have three countries very similar. Ecuador at 18 million, the Netherlands at 17.7, and Senegal at 17.2 million. So uh, very, very similar. And then you have Qatar, um, a bit of the outsiders um, or outliers at this tournament, just 2.8 million people. Right. All right. Well... Countries of that size have done well, Connor. I think Wales and Uruguay are about the same population as that. Yeah, you're right about that. Okay, so that doesn't uh, uh, rule them out. Okay, well, let's move on to part two of the podcast, where we uh, take a look at the histories of each country, including the recent history at the end. But we're going to start with participation and achievements overview. So Qatar played its first international game in 1970, even though its involvement with football goes back to the 1940s. They began competing in the Asian Cup in 1976 and the World Cup in 1978. Their participation has been consistent since those times. Uh, they also take part in the Arab Nations Cup, which became a more significant competition in 2021. So it'll come up here. And um, yes, that is it for their participation. Do you want to tell us how they've done in general? Yeah, so Qatar have never made it to the World Cup and normally wouldn't expect to, um, other than that they host in 2022. Uh, in what became a fiasco of corruption for FIFA. Despite that, and despite not living up to the promise of air-conditioned stadiums, uh, which required the competition to be moved from the summer to winter, uh, they retained the right of hosting. Though they have never come close to qualifying, they have reached the final round of qualification four of the last five times. Impressively, they have qualified for the Asian Cup every time since 1980, except for once in 1996 but they were a second-tier team until a stunning win in 2019. Aside from that, the quarterfinals was their best finish. All right, well, let's dig a little deeper uh, with a World Cup overview. Uh, so from their first campaign in 1978, where despite hosting the qualification group, they managed only a win over Bahrain and lost all other matches to finish last in the group, uh, they progressed steadily upwards coming behind Bahrain, as we said, in 1978, but ahead of them in 1982, and coming behind Iraq in 1982 and 1986, but ahead of them in 1990. Uh, 1990 was actually an excellent year where they tied South Korea and uh, Saudi Arabia, beat China, and came within a point of World Cup qualification. That was a peak, though, and they have never come close to that again. However, they usually reached the final round of qualification, failing to do so only in 1994 and 2006. Uh, once there, though, they're out of their league, finishing fourth out of five every time, at least before 2018, which we will get to a bit later. All right, well, moving on to their final, uh, their World Cup finals in details. It's a pretty short story because they've never been there. Um, so a deep dive into their history uh, in the World Cup finals is uh, impossible. Uh, that history actually begins now 
Uh, so instead of that, we'll do a special section on their preparation for this, uh, for this World Cup. They didn't need to qualify for this cup, but they nevertheless, nevertheless went through the early parts of qualification since it acted as qualification also for the 2023 Asian Cup. They have been more active playing lots of friendlies and participating in the 2019 Copa America uh, in South America and in the 2021 Gold Cup in Central and North America. So we'll uh, examine those below since their recent competitions. Uh, one final note before we uh, begin uh, is uh, a mention of the 2021 Arab Cup. That was a tournament uh, originating in the Middle East that never really took off. It actually began in 1963 and had three editions until 1966. Then it stopped after that and was kind of stop-start uh, all the way from 1966 until 2012, stopping for for uh, great lengths uh, sometimes. However, in 2021, it was erected as the FIFA Arab Cup and kind of like the Confederations Cup, it, um, um, it originated in the Middle East and then it became a significant competition when FIFA took it over and used it as a preparation uh, competition. So they did that with the Confederations Cup from 1997 to uh, 2017, and I, I personally was sad to see the Confederation Cup uh, go. Uh, do you remember that cup, Connor? Yeah, it was a good way uh, to compare different regions, I felt. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it featured the upcoming World Cup host, which made a lot of sense, you know, get them ready, the defending World Cup champions, and the winners of each of the six regional competitions. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was quite good and a good preparation for the upcoming cup i think now they're using the uh the world cup uh, club fifa cup whatever it's called but it's mm -hmm. club level and uh, perhaps this arab cup uh, i don't know if this is a one-time only thing uh but fifa has taken it over so i think it'll it'll continue so um yeah the first edition actually in 2021 saw several of the teams bringing their best squad and taking the competition fairly seriously. Of course, uh, Qatar took it quite seriously too. All right, well, that kind of replaced uh, the World Cup finals in detail, and we'll look uh, closely at those uh, competitions since they're recent, but we'll begin with a, uh, a closer look at their recent World Cups. Yeah, so for World Cup 2018, for qualifying, um, they received in by round a, a bye in round one or three, which is really just a preliminary round. And they were very consistent in the second round group stage, um, losing only to China in the last game and finishing in first well ahead of them. Uh, they beat Hong Kong twice, as well as the weaker Maldives and Bhutan. Um, in round three, uh, they were actually bested by China um, and otherwise managed only home wins over Syria and South Korea. Uh, they lost twice to both Iran and Uzbekistan and finished uh, last of six uh, in the final round qualifying group. Right, so a bit out of their league there and not close to reaching the World Cup. Uh, let's see how they did in uh, World Cup 2022 qualifying. Yeah, so again, they, they didn't have to play in the preliminary round. Um, but they did compete uh, in round two of three, which, as as you mentioned, kind of served as qualification for the 2023 Asian Cup. So that's why they participated. 
So in the in the five team group stage, they won all games except for a home draw with India to finish first in the round, uh, comfortably ahead of second place Oman. Um, and I believe that's where their qualification and they didn't compete in the final round, which was really for yeah, the right. World Instead, they competed in those other competitions we talked about, which we'll take a look at soon. Uh, but first, we're going to look at their uh, Asian Cup history, just an overview of that. Um, despite unusually qualifying for the uh, just, sorry, despite usually qualifying for the Asian Cup. 1976 and 1996 were their only failures. Uh, their best results had been reaching the quarterfinals in 2002 and again when they hosted in 2011. Uh, it was thus a surprise when they swept through the tournament in, in 2019 and convincingly won. However, it wasn't such a surprise to those who knew of their preparations. Uh, preparations through the Aspire Academy and cooperation with Barcelona as they built their team uh, towards hosting the World Cup in 2022. So normally in this series, we wouldn't examine the 2015 Asian Cup as it's not recent enough. But in the case of Qatar, uh, it would be uh, instructive in seeing where they were at before they began their long preparations for this World Cup. All right, so looking at uh, Asian Cup 2015 uh, in qualifying, um, it featured a close battle with neighbors Bahrain, um, though it ended up being for pride since both advanced. Um, they should have won the group um, when Bahrain tied in Malaysia um, while they won both. However, Qatar were bested by Bahrain, uh, tying at home in the last game and finishing second. In the tournament, they were troubled by Bahrain again as they lost that and in fact lost all games, also to Iran and UAE, uh, to finish last in the group stage. Uh, that was for the 2015 Asian Cup. Right, so that and their uh, final round of the 2018 World Cup qualifying kind of shows where they stood in Asia. You know, uh, much stronger than most of the teams in Asia, but uh, kind of no match for the, for the top teams for sure. Yeah, for 2019 uh, Asian Cup qualifying, um, the 2018 World Cup qualifying made up the first two rounds. Um, so their, their first place finish in round two ahead of China and Hong Kong uh, qualified uh, them automatically for this for this cup. Uh, so they, though they, uh, Qatar came in showing youthful promise, no one expected such spectacular success. Uh, they truly stormed through the tournament, uh, starting with two of the weakest teams there in uh, wins over Lebanon and North Korea but then beating Saudi Arabia to take first place in the group stage. They then beat Iraq, South Korea, host United Arab Emirates, and then Japan um, in the final, uh, where they actually gave up their only goal of the tournament. Um, it was a 3-1 win for Qatar in the final, really blowing away Japan, um, as they done to most of the mm -hmm. teams they played. So a spectacular tournament for Qatar, one that kind of bodes well for this tournament. Yeah, absolutely. They were so exciting to watch there. Yeah, and I think the win also validated their place among kind of top-level teams because they beat two of the best Asian teams along the way in, in South Korea and Japan. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, that's right. Um, uh, okay, well, let's uh, move on to how they did uh, against teams from other regions because they played in the uh, 29 Copa America and... 
They were supposed to play in the 2021 Copa America too. We'll get to that. Uh, and the 2021 Gold Cup. But let's begin with that first Copa America. Yeah, so in 2019, um, they actually put in a very respectable performance. They tied their opening game with Paraguay and then lost to Colombia on a single goal uh, at 86 minutes. Uh, they then lost to Argentina 2-0 to finish last in the group. So the, the tournament kind of shows them of not being up to the level of World Cup play. Um, South America is a strong region, uh, and Paraguay was and is currently a weaker team in that region. Um, arguably, Ecuador, who they face in the World Cup, is stronger. Um, but they were competitive with those teams, um, and obviously they've had a few years to even build on those results. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, as I said, they were supposed to be in the 2021 Copa America. What happened there, Connor? Yeah, so Qatar, along with Australia, they were both slated to join the 2021 Copa America. However, the COVID-19 pandemic caused uh, both those teams to withdraw, which was unfortunate because I think it would have been a, uh, an interesting way to see Qatar's measure and growth had they been able to come back to Copa America two years later. Right. And do you know, uh, okay, if it was COVID that prevented them from that cup, do you know why they were... Uh, why they didn't balk at the Gold Cup that year? I, I wonder if it had to do with uh, with rules set by South Americans. I also knew the tournament was taking place in Brazil, which kind of was a hotbed for COVID, though I guess, you know, competing in the Gold Cup in the USA, there's, you know. Yeah, and I think the Gold Cup actually was a, a little bit later, so maybe yeah, um, maybe that played into it too. Let's take a look at that Gold Cup. Uh, how did they do? So they, yeah, they came in as invited guests. Uh, in the group stage, they tied Panama in an exciting opener, 3-3, uh, then beat Granada and Honduras to finish first in the group stage. They beat El Salvador in the quarterfinals, um, but having missed a penalty, lost narrowly to host USA on a single goal of the game at 87 minutes. So this is a weaker region than South America, um, and they seem superior to the second teams in the CONCACAF region, um, but not quite at the level of the top tier. Again, a narrow loss to the USA, but once again, proving themselves competitive. Yeah, I think they missed a penalty in that game too. Yeah. would have been uh, It would have been quite a, a bit of a feather to knock out the USA in a tournament uh, hosted in the USA. Okay, and finally, we're going to look at the Arab Cup. That was actually uh, in Qatar, a bit of a warm-up for the uh, World Cup, and uh, let's see how they did there. Yeah, as you mentioned, Qatar hosted the, the entire tournament as preparation for the World Cup. Uh, in the group stage, they won all three games, uh, beating Bahrain, uh, Oman, on, Oman on a very late goal, um, an own goal, in fact, and Iraq, um, which went scoreless until 82 minutes when Qatar scored the first of their three goals. Um, so it was three wins from three in the group stage. Uh, they crushed uh, UAE 5 nothing in the quarterfinals and faced Algeria in the semifinals. Uh, it was an exciting game in front of a massive uh, and loud crowd of 42,000, uh, many Algerians there too, um, where Qatar managed uh, an equalizer at 90 plus 7. <laughs> um, it actually, so it seemed set to go to extra time until Algeria got a penalty. That penalty was saved, but the rebound was put in 17 minutes into wow. injury time. Um, so uh, Qatar was relegated to the third place match where they met Egypt, um, that went nil-nil, but they beat Egypt on penalties. So once again, Qatar uh, proved superior to the second teams in the region, but 
struggled or at least were very competitive with the top team. So I think this gives a bit of a sense of, of how they uh, kind of fare going into this World Cup. Yeah, I mean, that's basically Senegal played Egypt on penalties, tied 0-0 and won. And uh, so, you know, that kind of puts them at the level uh, of Senegal, although that's a pretty uh, a pretty superficial comparison. Okay, well, let's move on to uh, their recent games. Uh, uh, they've been playing like crazy and uh, a whole lot of friendlies, which maybe we won't go into too much detail into in 2021. Uh, but they have also played recent games. Let's. Uh, uh, do you want to take us through that? Yeah, so they, these Arab Cup games took place in November and December 2021. Um, so since then, they've uh, they've had friendlies, um, a lot at home. Um, they beat Bulgaria 2-1, then tied nil-nil with Slovenia. Um, they've had a couple friendlies, um, I think against some club teams uh, recently. And then looking ahead, they have... Uh, uh, friendlies against Canada and Chile, um, so some stronger teams. So it'll be interesting to see how they do there. Yeah, and those uh, friendlies are in Austria, actually. Um, kind of interestingly, and I, I had to do research on uh, who Samarin was because they have a friendly set up with with Samarin. As you said, they have been playing some club teams too, and Samarin is a team in uh, Slovakia. Uh, there, so really trying to squeeze in as many games as they can. Uh, let's end with a look at their World Cup schedule. Yeah, so the opening game of the tournament will feature Qatar versus Ecuador. Uh, they then play Senegal and then finish their group stage with Netherlands. All right. Well, we'll talk about uh, any uh, if we think that order of games is significant when we get to the discussion section. But we're going to move on to. Um, uh, Netherlands here. So uh, let's uh, first begin by talking about their participation and achievements. So Netherlands' first international game was 1905. They didn't enter the first World Cup, but qualified in 1934 and 38. Uh, that makes them a bit of a senior team in the World Cup. Um, they didn't enter after the war in 1950 or 1954, but they have participated consistently since 1958. In Euro Cup play, they didn't enter the first edition in 1960, but they participated consistently since 1964. So despite reaching two uh, pre-war World Cups, Netherlands were minnows on the football stage, either not entering or not qualifying for World and Euro Cups until the 1974 World Cup, where they exploded onto the scene. Then, and at times since, they have been a world and European power, with three second-place finishes in the World Cup and one Euro Cup title. Uh, these successful periods, however, were interspersed with notable absences and even spectacular failures. Okay, well, let's uh, give a quick overview of their World Cup history. Um before the deep dive. So Netherlands was, as Connor said, weak in the early years. They reached the finals in 1934 and 1938, but they didn't make a mark there, unable to get past the first round. Uh, their return in 1958 uh, saw them fail to qualify for four cups in a row till 1970, or including 1970. They thus came out of nowhere when they not only qualified in 1974, but reached the final that year and in the following cup in 1978. 
they were clearly the best team in the world with their total soccer philosophy, uh, led by their greatest player, Johan Cruyff. After that period, they briefly sank back into obscurity, failing to reach the next two World Cups. But that was followed by six out of seven Cups, uh, where they not only reached the tournament, but passed the group stage every time. The only exception there is 2002, where they failed to qualify. And it's become something of a pattern for the Netherlands to either excel or to flop. 2010 and 2014 saw their second strongest period, where they finished second and third, respectively. All right, so we're going to take a deep dive into their history of World Cup finals, and it's uh, uh, we're going to divide it into four different uh, parts here. So do you want to take it away in uh, part one there, Connor? Yeah, so part one covers 1930 to 1970s. So Netherlands did not enter the first World Cup in 1930, uh, perhaps unwilling to make the long uh, journey by boat to Uruguay. Uh, the 1934 and 38 uh, World Cups both took place in Europe, both saw them qualifying but playing only one game in both cases as they were knocked out in the first round. The format for each was out of the current day final stage, basically a 16-team knockout. In 1934, it was a 2-3 loss to Switzerland. They did slightly better in 1938, taking Czechoslovakia to a goalless draw in regular time, but, the, but they allowed three goals in extra time and again found themselves out after just one game. Post-war, they did not enter the tournaments in 1950 or 54 and failed to qualify for the next four Cups. It took until 1974 to reach the Cup again. Right, so uh, part two covers 1974 to 1988. And uh, there were indications of their strength going into 1974 through an undefeated qualifying campaign. But even there, they tied Belgium twice and had narrowly reached the Cup ahead of them just on goal difference. In the Cup, they, were, uh, they went undefeated through the group stage, beating Uruguay and Bulgaria. Uh, Johnny Rep scored three of their six goals, and they finished first ahead of Sweden, who they tied goalless in the third game. But they seemed unstoppable after that, starting with a 4-0 win over Argentina in the second group stage. They beat East Germany and Brazil, both 2-0, to top the group, and reached the final where they faced host West Germany. There, they took the lead on a penalty just 90 seconds in, Germany not even having touched the ball. Germany came back, though, on a penalty at 25 and a goal at 43, and the Dutch were unable to recover in the second half. Johan Neeskins and Johan Cruyff emerged as heroes of the Cup. Cruyff was named uh, player of the tournament there. Uh, and uh, despite helping them qualify for the 1978 World Cup in Argentina, uh, Johan Cruyff declined to play. Uh, he declined to play in it himself. Uh, there's a bit of speculation exactly as to why. Uh, a kidnapping attempt on his family in Barcelona, the club he played for uh, the previous year, uh, and the fact that Argentina was under a military dictatorship are both thought to have played into the decision. Nevertheless, they went on without him, and they were all the talk of the Cup uh, going into 1978 Argentina, although they barely made it out of the group stage. A 3-0 win over Iran, Rob Rentenbrink scoring, uh, Rob Rentenbrink scoring all three goals there, 
that was a good start, but they tied the eventual group winners, Peru, who were in a good period themselves, and lost to Scotland in the third game. However, they advanced in second over Scotland on goal difference. Again, they were a force in the second group stage, crushing Austria 5-1, tying West Germany and beating Italy to top the group. That brought them to another final where they faced the host country, this time Argentina. And Argentina went up in the first half, but a late equaliser at 82 minutes brought the game to extra time. However, Mario Kempis scored the first of two extra time goals for Argentina to leave Netherlands in second place again. They failed to qualify for the next two cups after that, but 1990 saw them back in the cup again. Yeah, the 1990 World Cup in Italy was largely unremarkable. Uh, Netherlands tied all three group stage games with Egypt, England, and Ireland. They finished with an identical record to Ireland and the placement was decided by the drawing of lots, which Ireland won. That would have been controversial had their third place finish uh, not also been an advancing position. Uh, so they still advanced to the, um, to the knockout round. They went on to play West Germany, though, in the round of 16, where they lost 1-2. to two. 1994 in USA was a bit better. A late winner in Game 1 saw them pass Saudi Arabia, and after losing to Belgium in the second game, um, a relatively late winner over Morocco saw them in a three-way tie atop the table. All tied, or all teams were tied on points and goal difference. They advanced in first though on most goals scored, and a comfortable win over Ireland in the round of 16 um, set up a quarter-final match where they met Brazil. The game went scoreless in the first half, but an action-packed second half saw them go down two goals, recover to a draw, and then lose on a goal at 81 minutes. 1998 in France saw them tying Belgium and, Belgium and Mexico, but winning the group stage on the strength of a 5-0 crushing of South Korea. The Asians would respond to this by hiring the Dutch manager, Gus Hiddink, to lead them through the next World Cup, which they hosted. The Netherlands beat Yugoslavia FR on an injury time goal in the round of 16, then Argentina on a goal at 90th min in the 90th minute, both 2-1 wins. It was Brazil who again ended their run in the semifinals. Uh, a late tying goal forced the semifinal to extra time and penalties, but the Netherlands lost a shootout and went to the third place match where they lost to Croatia to settle for fourth. 2002 was a disaster in qualification. They finished four points behind Portugal and Ireland to miss their first cup since 1986. All right, that brings us to part four of four, 2006 to 2014. So in 2006, Germany uh, wins over Serbia and Montenegro and Ivory Coast led them to the promise of an exciting third game showdown with Argentina. Uh, Argentina having uh, won their first two games too. The game went scoreless and they both advanced. However, the undelivered drama of that game did come in the following game, the round of 16 match with Portugal. The roughness began with a savage foul on young Portuguese star Cristiano Ronaldo that left him unable to play, but had only earned a yellow card for the Dutch. Uh, rough incidents and cards slowed the game down and preoccupied Netherlands, who seemed to realize only with about 20 minutes left that they were down a goal. They pressured for an equalizer but failed 
and found themselves out at the round of 16. The game was dubbed the Battle of Nuremberg and it saw the most cards ever given, 16 yellow cards and four reds, though most were deserved. Uh, for some reason, the, the referee ultimately blamed more than the players were. Uh, 2010 in South Africa was spectacular. Their historical connection with that country perhaps playing a role. Uh, they had won all games in qualifying and continued that into the group stage where they swept past Denmark, Japan and Cameroon. The run continued past Slovakia in the round of 16 and even past old foes Brazil in the quarterfinal. It was 3-2 over Uruguay in the semi-final and on to uh, meet Spain in the final. That too was a rough game with 14 yellow cards handed out, nine of them to the Netherlands. And that caught up with them as the game went scoreless and into extra time. A second yellow card to a player uh, meant a red card at 109 and Spain scored the winner seven minutes later. And actually 2014 was not dissimilar. It opened with a replay of the previous final against Spain and they embarrassed Spain with a 5-1 win, putting an end to the dynastic dominance of world football that Spain had enjoyed over the past six years. Netherlands' juggernaut run continued with wins over Australia and Chile for first in the group stage. And uh, However, the round of 16 was not so straightforward. Mexico held a one nothing lead until 88 when Netherlands got an equaliser. In injury time, relentless, driver, uh, relentless diver Aryan Robin threw himself at the feet of Mexican captain Rafael Marquez to steal a penalty and the win. Do you remember that one, Connor? I do, and I think Arian Robinak admitted to it being a dive uh, later on. Yeah, he actually admitted to a simulation during the game, but still maintained that that one wasn't a dive. Oh, well, there you go. I was livid. Yeah, <laughs> I do remember. Mexico were quite deserving, um, but um, yeah, Netherlands late show late drama put them through that's right anyway they went on to the quarterfinal with costa rica uh, and netherland pulled a surprise there by replacing their goalkeeper for the penalty shootout uh, the replacement keeper saved two shots but the same tactic didn't work in another goalless draw that went to penalties with argentina in the semi-final there they lost that shootout and uh, they went to the third place match uh, where they faced de dejected hosts Brazil coming off a humiliating 1-7 loss to Germany in their semi-final. And uh, uh, Netherlands kind of took advantage of that to win 3 nothing. All right, so three second-place finishes and one third-place finish uh, makes Netherlands seem deserving of a title. Uh, let's see if they were able to get that in 2018. Um, so in 2018 qualifying, they came in as a top seed in the group, um, a tricky group that included France and Sweden, and it started well, um, but two losses to France and a loss in Bulgaria um, left them in third place with Sweden, uh, despite besting them. So uh, Netherlands, again, finishing third out of six in the group behind France and Sweden and did not qualify for the 2018 World Cup. Wow, just like 2002, a bit of a shocker there. Well, they obviously qualified uh, for this cup since we're talking about them. Uh, let's see how they got there. 
Yeah, it started poorly as they lost their opening game in Turkey, and it looked like another possible nightmare, uh, actually having failed to reach their last two tournaments. But they only suffered draws in Norway and Montenegro after that and finished uh, first in the qualifying group, two points ahead of Turkey. All right, well, here they are. Okay, let's turn to a brief overview of their Euro Cup history. Uh, we saw their World Cup uh, strength in the 1970s kind of end as suddenly as it started. Uh, that's also evident in Euro Cup play, where after not entering their first edition in 1960, they failed to reach the next three editions, even in 1972, which was just two years before the, the spectacular performance in 1974. Uh, however, that form did show in 1976, where they finished third in the Euro Cup. But by 1984, it seemed over as they only reached, or sorry, by 1980, it seemed over as they only reached the group stage uh, that year and then failed to qualify in 1984. So their second strong period was initiated by winning the 1988 Euro Cup which again seemed out of the blue given their poor performance over the previous 10 years. Uh, it initiated a sustained period of success over the next 25 years though. In Euro Cup play that translated to reaching the semi-finals in three of the next four cups after their title win and in passing the group stage um, all the way till 2008. 2012, though, hearkened the beginning of troubled times, even if a good 2014 World Cup result made it seem a blip. But a group stage finish in 2012 was followed by a failure to reach the uh, Euro Cup in 2016, even though the tournament had been expanded to 24 teams. Uh, this was their first non-qualification since 1984. So let's see if their uh, 2016 and 2018 uh, poor form continued in the Euro Cup in 2020. So in qualifying, the Netherlands exchanged away wins with group winners Germany, but finished behind them due to a draw in Northern, in, in Northern Ireland, who finished third. However, second place in the qualifying group was enough to advance to their first tournament since 2014. Um, they also finished ahead of Belarus and Estonia. Um, this Euro Cup was held at various locations, but Netherlands played all their group stage games at home uh, and won all three of them over Ukraine, Austria, and North Macedonia to finish first in the group stage. Uh, they actually had a very entertaining game with Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine recovered from a two-goal deficit, uh, scoring goals at 75 and 79, but Netherlands won the game five minutes from time. Um, as in 2008, though, the momentum seemed to peak too early and they lost to the Czech Republic in the round of 16. Um, so, yeah, um, back in the tournament, but it didn't end uh, the way that the Netherlands were hoping it would. Yeah, definitely. Uh, kind of leaves me feeling that they have something to prove uh, in this cup, hey? Uh, yeah, I agree with that. All right, well, let's take a look at their uh, recent history. Uh, sorry, their recent uh, games. They had a couple of friendlies, and they've been playing in the... Uh, uh, UEFA Nations League. Yeah, so uh, the friendlies in, in March of 2022 featured a 4-2 win over Denmark and then a home draw with the Netherlands. And then uh, they played four Nations League games in June. They started with an impressive 4-1 uh, away win in Belgium. Uh, then wow. They beat, yeah, then they beat Wales 2-1. Um, 
they tied at home with Poland 2-2 and then beat Wales 3-2. Um, and it should be mentioned in both those games against uh, Wales, Nether uh, Wales scored late to think they tied the game only for Netherlands to score even later. Um, so dramatic finishes, but with three wins and a draw from four games, they're sitting pretty good in their uh, League A group. Yeah, first in the group, and um, yeah, that's a good note to come into the cup uh, on. Well, they they finished those Nations League games uh, at the end of September, uh, playing Poland um, away and Belgium at home. And until now, they haven't uh, scheduled any pre-tournament friendlies, Connor. But I imagine they will, and we can perhaps uh, review that in our update podcast. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Um, in terms of the World Cup schedule, they begin by playing Senegal, then they play Ecuador, and they finish with host Qatar. All right. Well, let us move on to Senegal. Uh, and we'll start with a, an overview of their participation and achievements. So they played their first international game in 1961 and entered their first World Cup in 1966. However, they withdrew joining the African-Asian boycott that year. So uh, participated in their first World Cup qualifying campaign in 1970. They didn't enter the 1990 World Cup, but other than that participated consistently. Uh, African Cup participa uh, participation began earlier in 1965, and they took part in every edition except for 1980, which they didn't enter. In terms of achievement, Senegal have reached the World Cup twice, uh, with their best performance, a quarterfinal finish in 2002. That was a very strong period for them as they also earned their best African Cup finish to that point, second place in 2002. However, they are at their strongest period in current times uh, with their second and third World Cup qualifications um, and also doing very well in the African Cup, uh, which we'll look at very shortly. All right. Well, we'll take a look at the World Cup history uh, uh, before that. So an overview of their World Cup history. Senegal was a very weak team in the early years. In their first five entries from 1970 to 1986, they were knocked out at the first step of qualifying. They dropped out of the competition in 1990 and seemed to return a stronger team uh, with a good first round campaign. However, they were no match for stronger teams in the final round. In 1994, they returned, uh, they returned, um, yes, because they had been absent in 1990. So they returned to being knocked out in the first round uh, the, uh, thus, there was no foreshadowing of the strength they showed in, 20, in 2002, at least in World Cup play. Uh, that performance started with an impressive qualification in a tough group and ended with a quarterfinal finish. Along the way, it featured a win over defending champions France in the opening game of the tournament. They fell just short of reaching the Cup in 2006 and 2014, but failed to pass the first round of qualification in 2010. Uh, however, um, they have been more successful since, and we will take a closer look at that uh, shortly. But we will do our deep dive into uh, their World Cup history in the finals. 
So their success in 2002 was not foreshadowed by any previous qualification performances where they seemed weak, even in 1998, where they were knocked out in an early round by Togo. However, uh, the success was foreshadowed by, uh, foreshadowed by a solid qualification campaign where, in a decidedly tough group, they finished first ahead of Morocco, Egypt, and Algeria, some of the top teams in Africa there. Uh, as far as the world stage goes, though, few were aware of it, or uh, if they were aware of it, credited it to the region uh, being considered weak. So it came as a shock then when they defeated defending champions France in their opener and went on to tie Denmark and Uruguay to finish second in the group stage. They actually should have finished first, having gone up 3-0 on Uruguay in the third game, but they gave up three goals, the last at 88, and had to settle for a draw. But they continued to stun, beating Sweden in the round of 16, uh, winning in extra time there on a golden goal. However, they went out the same way to Turkey in the quarterfinals, losing on a golden goal after a scoreless regular time. Uh, despite remaining a strong team in Africa, it took them until 2018 to reach the Cup again. We will be taking uh, a closer look at that recent Cup right away here. Yeah, so beginning with qualifying, uh, Senegal didn't have to participate in the preliminary round, round one of three of qualifying. And in the round two pairing, uh, they tied Madagascar in the first leg away won comfortably in the second leg uh, to advance uh, to the group stage. Uh, they were dominant and undefeated in the round three group stage, uh, tying second place Burkina Faso twice, but beating Cape Verde and South Africa twice. Uh, a suspicious penalty decision had helped host South Africa win, but actually FIFA ordered it to be replayed. Um, once at the tournament, they got off to a good start, beating top-seeded Poland uh, in their opener, and then tied Japan. However, they seem resigned to let fate control their fortunes with a listless loss to Colombia in their third match and were treated cruelly by finishing third in the group stage behind Japan, um, coming down to the tiebreaker of having uh, more yellow cards, uh, the two having kept an identical record throughout. So uh, agonizing uh, for Senegal, but um, yeah, they really didn't uh, seem to go after Colombia in that third game as they maybe should have, because I think they were capable of getting a draw there and not having it come down to such fine margins. Uh, it was quite odd because, uh, uh, as far as I recall, Japan uh, uh, didn't particularly, you know, seem to make a strong effort in their game either. Yeah. yeah but so, yeah, for Senegal, it was uh, a win, a draw, and a loss. Four goals scored, four against, same as Japan. And yeah, more yellow card than I think even that was close is what uh, saw them out. Fair play. Yeah, and I, I, I think that was actually the first instance of fair play being used as a discriminator. All right, well, on to uh, 2022 World Cup qualifying, and let's see how they got here. Yeah, so again, they didn't have to play in the preliminary round. This time, round two was a 14-group stage, um, and they put in an imperious performance, suffering only a draw in Togo, uh, who were seeded fourth but finished second. Um and that came after advancement was already assured. And they won all games against Congo and Namibia to finish first. Round three of three was a, a home and away replay of the recent African Cup final. Um, 
And the result was the same, which was a win over Egypt on penalties. Um, both teams actually won 1-0 at home, and then Senegal won 3-1 in penalties. So very, very close. Actually, probably two of the best African teams, unfortunate to meet there. Um, but Senegal uh, Senegal went through. Um, yeah, and two of the best uh, World Cup players too. So Sadio Mane meeting his club teammate, uh, Mohamed Salah. Uh, there. No comment on that one. I, I, I thought actually Salah missed his penalty. So um, yeah, two two of the world's great, two of the African greats. But um, yeah, we'll only see one of them in the cup, and that will be Mane. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so let's go on to the African Cup uh, uh, history. Um, uh, just an overview of this regional cup. So uh, they took fourth place in their first entry in 1965. Uh, though that's less impressive than it seems. Uh, they qualified only twice from then until 1988, getting knocked out at the group stage in 1968 and 1986. From 1990, though, they were a strong team that passed the group stage regularly. However, two week periods interrupted, uh, two non-qualifications in 1996 and 1998, and a poor spell of five tournaments from 2008 to 2015, where they failed to qualify twice and were knocked out in the group stage thrice. Uh, 2017 saw a, a quarterfinal finish and initiated a new period of strength. Yeah, we'll take a closer look at the last two cups, beginning with 2019. Uh, Senegal finished first in their qualifying group, uh, having no problem taking top spot, uh, suffering only a draw in Madagascar, but winning uh, both games against Equatorial Guinea and Sudan. Um, although they had a comfortable, um, oh, or sorry, at the tournament, they had a comfortable group stage, um, despite losing to Algeria, who they would meet again in the final, um, Kenya and Tanzania proved a weak opposition, um, and second place in the group stage saw Senegal through. After that, they beat uh, Uganda and then Benin on single goals, um, and then Tunisia on a single goal in extra time, so keeping clean sheets all the way through. Um, and then they met Algeria in the final, as I said, um, and they lost on a single goal scored in the second minute of the game uh, to finish in second place. All right. Well, second place, uh, certainly not bad there. And uh, now we'll take a look at the most recent cup, the African Cup uh, 2021, which is just in January of this year. Yeah, um, Senegal had a comfortable path to first place in the qualifying group, uh, winning their first four games um, and then kind of coasting at the end. Um, they tied uh, third place Congo and at the last place Iswatini, uh, but they uh, beat Guinea-Bissau twice who finished second, um, mm -hmm. so through to the cup. Um, in the tournament, they won the group stage but were flat, uh, scoring only one goal as they beat Zimbabwe and then tied Guinea and Malawi nil-nil. They improved after that, though, beating Cape Verde uh, in a poorly refereed game, actually, and then Equatorial Guinea in the quarterfinal. They had no problem with Burkina Faso in the semifinal, and in the final, uh, they beat Egypt on penalties. Uh, that game was nil-nil after 120 minutes, um, and uh, Senegal, with that, won their first uh, African title. Um, so, yeah. A second place finish improved on in 2021, um, 
with the uh, with the first title for the Senegalese. Great. Once again, uh, Sadio Mane and um, Mohamed Salah meeting in the final there. Yeah, Sadio Mane actually missed a penalty uh, in the first half of that game, but then made amends by scoring his penalty in the shootout. Wow. All right, well, let's uh, take a look at their recent games. They did have a recent involvement in the uh, COSAFA Cup. That is a, a kind of a local group, actually, in South uh, South Africa, but they were invited to participate. But uh, since it, it uh, is played by kind of just their locally based players in Africa, uh, none of the uh, none of the uh, kind of A team, if you will, uh, play in that game. So we won't really uh, involve it in this discussion. But how how have they done in uh, friendlies and other games? Yeah. So in June of 2022, they played a, a pair of qualifiers for the African Nations Cup 2023. Those were uh, a three-one win at home to Benin and. Uh, one nothing win over Rwanda, and then they have um, a couple friendlies scheduled uh, to be played in Austria first against Bolivia and Iraq, and then a friendly in the UAE in November uh, against Kazakhstan. Yeah, originally they uh, those African uh, Nations Cup twenty twenty three games were supposed to be played uh, in September, and it seems like they've been uh, postponed until March. Uh, and replaced with these friendlies uh, in Austria. Uh, I, I wonder why so many teams are playing in Austria. Do you have any guess? Is the climate similar to Qatar or something? No, they are in September. So, I mean, a lot of these teams, not all of them, though, have um, a lot of European-based players. So, you know, maybe it's easier flying to Austria, which is right in the middle of the continent, than, you know, perhaps faraway lands. But, um, yeah, not, yeah, not really sure. But, um yeah, at least home home field advantage won't play into it. Yeah, uh, I was just kidding there, but they do have uh, that friendly with Kazakhstan is in the UAE, uh, which really uh, is about climatizing themselves, I suppose. Yeah. All right, well, what does their World Cup schedule look like? Well, they'll kick off uh, with the Netherlands. Uh, they meet Qatar in their second match and then finish the group against Ecuador. All right, well, I'm uh, excited to talk about that. They have the uh, the toughest game first there. But uh, Ecuador is the team that we'll turn to uh, for our fourth and final team, uh, beginning with uh, their participation and achievement. So Ecuador played their first international game in 1938, and they played their first Copa America in 1939. They withdrew from uh, three of the 11 uh, editions after, but have participated consistently uh, 19 straight editions up until 2021. Uh, they entered the Brazil-hosted World Cup in 1950, but withdrew before playing any games and did not enter either of the next two editions. So 1962 was their first uh, completed campaign. That was the World Cup hosted by Chile, and uh, they haven't missed uh, participation since. For the most part, Ecuador have been among the weaker South American teams, uh, with their main advantage being the altitude of their country. Um, the, their best Copa America results are two fourth place finishes, both as hosts uh, in 1959 and 1993. They did not qualify for the World Cup until 2002, but since then have reached four of the six cups. 
Uh, their best result is a round of 16 finish in 2006. All right. So actually, a bit of a a bit of a hard team to read is Ecuador. Uh, let's do a World Cup overview and then a, a deep dive into how they've done at the finals. So um, uh, their second qualification campaign in 1966 actually saw them come very close to reaching the cup. Uh, they came tied for first uh, in their qualifying group there with Chile, and it was resolved through a playoff, which they lost. They didn't come close again until 2002, where they finished second in that big 10-team grouping of South America, uh, well behind leader Argentina, but ahead of Brazil. Uh, and they proved strong. Uh, uh, it proved a strong period for them, as they not only reached the cup in 2006 again, but passed the group stage. Failing to qualify in 2010 made it seem the end of a good period, and actually unlikely that they would qualify again especially since they hadn't passed a group stage of the Copa America since 1997. But their World Cup form proved better as they reached a third cup in 2014. And uh, soon we'll see if they made it in 2018. Um, um, but first we'll do a deep dive into their World Cup finals. So given their overall strength, Reaching the first World Cup in 2002 was an achievement, even if it was done comfortably with that second place uh, qualifying finish that we talked about above. In the Cup, they lost to Italy and Mexico, and a final game win over Croatia was not enough uh, to pass the group stage, not enough, in fact, even to lift them out of last place. 2006 was better, though, as they beat Poland 2-0 and Costa Rica 3-0 to secure passage from the group even after two games. Uh, that was a good thing because they faced it host Germany in their third game and they lost 0-3. Uh, to But they passed the group stage and that was an accomplishment beyond their expectation. So a 0-1 loss to England in the round of 16 was not met with too much disappointment. Their return in 2014 saw them lose to Switzerland in their opener. Both teams had seemed settled on a draw right until the end. But then Ecuador pushed forward and created a really good opportunity, only to meet with a blistering counterattack on which Sweden won the game uh, in injury time. They beat Honduras in game two, and they faced France in their third game, a France that already had secured passage, so who fielded a B team. That opportunity, though, took a blow when their captain, Antonio Valencia, received a questionable red card at 50 minutes. They held on for a goalless draw, an admirable game-level result, but only good enough for third place, and they failed to advance. All right, on to, uh, to uh, 2018, and we'll see if they've kept up this pretty good record of reaching recent World Cups. Yeah, so they got off to a great start in qualifying, winning in Argentina and actually wow. leaving the table after five games where they had four wins and a draw. They lost three in a row, but then had another good period, um, which had them in third place by game 12 out of 18. However, they lost their last six matches, um, ironically ending with a loss at home to a struggling Argentina, uh, who they beat in their first game. Um, so it left them uh, 8 out of 10, a record of 6 wins, 2 draws, and 10 losses, and it was not enough to return to the World Cup. 
Well, that was a really up and down tournament, hey? Or uh, qualification. Okay, let's see how they did for uh, 2022. Obviously, they uh, made it here. Yeah, they had a very strong performance in qualifying. They were actually in third place most of the time um, and only suffered one home loss. Um, that was to Peru. They were not uh, impressive on the road with uh, only two wins, um, two ties and four losses, um, uh, five losses actually. Um, but it was good enough for fourth in the qualifying group, far behind Brazil and Argentina, um, and just behind Uruguay who overtook them in the final round. However, fourth place uh, did mean auto automatic qualification for this World Cup. Um, so in the end, uh, the record of seven wins, five draws, and six losses was uh, good enough to send them to Qatar. Yeah, uh, no surprise that they're good at home. They have that uh, altitude advantage. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, Ecuador plays their home games at, I think, about 3,000 meters above sea level. So the air is much thinner, and a lot of teams uh, struggle to acclimatize and struggle with the running in that environment. Um, so Ecuador, like we said, they're not one of the strongest teams in South America. But they do have this kind of really impressive home record, um, which, you know, when they do qualify, often sees them through. They usually lose most of their games on the road, picking up a, a, the odd win or two, but then um, tend to do very well at home. So their, their record here of 4-4-1 four, four, and one at home and then just 2-2-5 two, two and five on the road kind of amplifies that. But it does balance out. Um, or slightly more than balances out and, and has seen them through to some World Cups. And I yeah. think... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I, I think the biggest contrast or, or potentially evidence for that is how they do at Copa Americas. Um, we've already mentioned they've done well when they've hosted and actually host the next edition, um, but they really do poorly outside of their own country, rarely getting past the group stage, which is kind of ironic. Um, you know, they, they need to be in the top three or, or top four for qualifying in a World Cup, and they often do that, yet they can't seem to make it to the last eight of Copa Americas, at least with any regularity. Yeah, they have been accused of, uh, of just being a good team at home, uh, and therefore, you know, the prediction is that they, they, well, they don't do well in Copa Americas, which we'll talk about soon, but won't do well in a World Cup either, because obviously... They don't have the advantage of that altitude. Uh, however, you know, I think their World Cup performances have proven that uh, a bit too simplistic. Yeah, so do you agree with that thesis about Ecuador or, or not? I'm a bit up and down. I mean, it's certainly true in the in the Copa America. We're going to overview that right away here. But um, um, uh, I think they've done better than people expected them to do actually at the World Cups. We saw that they were uh, pretty close in that, uh, uh, was it 2014 World Cup, where they, they were pretty pretty competitive there. Yeah, and there's no pushover on the road. They do get some impressive results on the road as well, um, some surprise results. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, we've kind of uh, launched into a bit of discussion there. Uh, which we were supposed to do at the end, but hey. Uh, but let's get back on track with the Copa America overview. Okay, so those results in World Cup qualification are not reflected, as we've been talking about, in their Copa America results. Uh, as mentioned, their best results are fourth-place finishes in 1959 and 1993, 
uh, to the two tournaments they hosted. And in fact, fourth place is not a great result as, as a host. Uh, prior to that, fifth place in the region was their best result. And they didn't do better than sixth after 1942. From 1975, the round robin format changed to the uh, the group and final stages that we're familiar with today. In that format, they only ever passed the group stage twice to 2015 uh, in 1993, as mentioned, when they were hosts, and as in 1977 when they did well to reach the quarterfinals. Uh, worse still, from 1999 to 2015, they registered only two wins and one draw, even as they were reaching three World Cups during the same period. Uh, they rectified this a little bit in the 2016 Copa America. That was the uh, Centenario 100-year special edition by going undefeated in the group stage, uh, which included a draw with Brazil, and then passing the group stage. Uh, they were knocked out in the quarterfinals there. Uh, let's see if they kept that going into 2019. So, yeah, in the 2019 Copa America uh, in Brazil, uh, they lost their opener 0-4 to to Uruguay and then lost to Chile. They still had a chance of advancing, though, but managed only a 1-1 draw with Japan's youth team, uh, Japan were invited guests, and finished last in the group stage uh, without a win. Um, they took two red cards in the tournament, too, uh, the first affecting them badly against the Uruguay as it came in just the 24th minute. Oh. Yeah, 4 nothing to uh, zero four to Uruguay. Uh, okay, let us move on to the 2021 World uh, Copa America and see if they did a little better there. So this was a five-team group, um, a change in format. Uh, they lost to Colombia in their opener and then tied their other three games against Venezuela, who scored a late equalizer, and then Peru and Brazil uh, to finish fourth in the five-team group, which was an advancing spot. However, they met the other group winner, uh, who were Argentina, and lost. Though it was an excellent quarterfinal where they played well. Um, however, they were no match against um, an impressive Argentina, who were the eventual champions and featured kind of a Lionel Messi in, in top form. So that game finished 0-3. to three. Um, So they did get the group stage, but again, they didn't register a win throughout the tournament. Right, and uh, fourth in the group stage. Yeah, but that's... Uh... As you say, they played a lot better than the, the results showed there. All right, well, let's move on to their recent history, uh, their recent uh, games. They played a, uh, a couple of uh, friendlies in June, and uh, that's about it. Yeah, a couple of home friendlies were a win over Nigeria and a win over Cape Verde, both by scores of one nothing, And in between that was a, an away draw with Mexico nil-nil. And then coming up in September... Um, they have a friendly in Spain against Saudi Arabia and a friendly in Germany against Japan. So they're playing two of Asia's um, representatives of this World Cup uh, in the next month. Right. Uh, and yeah, they may schedule some uh, pre-tournament friendlies, but um, we don't have anything uh, yet. I'm just checking on that, actually. And uh, just as a note, those uh, games against Nigeria... And uh, Mexico and Cape Verde took place in the United States, so it looks like a bit of a, a bit of a road tour uh, for them there in the U.S. Well, if anything, that makes their wins uh, all the more impressive. So well done yeah. to them. Yeah, yeah, no, good point. 
uh, and it also yeah gives us a slight glimpse into how they compare with uh, with groups from other regions i would say this pretty much confirms uh, 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 confirms that south america is a bit stronger uh, regionally than than um, africa to be sure do you think so yeah, I think so, but um, I guess we'll talk about how they, they meet the African champions in Senegal uh, later on. Yeah, well, let's move on to that. So part three of this media cast um, uh, starts with a summary uh, of each team and um, a little comment on their form going into the cup. And let's begin with uh, Qatar. So prior to 2019, they were a second-tier team and had done well to rise to that level. 1990 saw a spike in performance that almost saw them reach the World Cup, but otherwise the bottom half of the final group stage of World Cup qualifying and quarterfinal finishes in the 20, uh, 2002 and 2017 Asian Cups seemed a ceiling. Uh, the 2019 Asian Cup, though, was impressive, and so was, to varying, varying degrees, the many competitions they joined in preparation for the 2022 World Cup. They are at a peak of strength currently, but questions remain. Have they reached the level they aspire to um, going into the World Cup? Um, and is that their only current concern? In the longer term, will they remain among the top Asian teams when it's all over? It'll be interesting to see uh, how this current exertion affects their overall history. The money and effort Qatar put into developing the team for the 2022 World Cup really overshadows everything and makes irrelevant their historical strength coming into this period and what their future will look like afterwards. If they aspire to be among the top teams in the Cup, that seems to have fallen short as they were no match in South America and in European friendlies, uh, even with uh, the second-tier teams of those regions. They did seem competitive with top teams in Asia and Africa, and with second-tier teams in Central America, but those are teams uh, that often struggle at the World Cup Finals. Uh, they likely aspire to bring their form to a respectively competitive level at the World Cup, and as far as that goes, they seem to have done about as much as they can do. Uh, right, so would you say they would be uh, just satisfied uh, passing the group stage, or would a round of 16 uh, exit or a group stage exit be a, be a big disappointment? I think passing the group stage would be a good achievement. I mean, in, in a sense, that puts them in the top 16 teams in the world. Um, you know, hosting obviously has an advantage. Um, I think they um, will would certainly want to be keen to avoid the shame of being knocked out as a host um, in the group stage, which only one other country has done, that was South Africa. Um, but I think if they get out of the group, there'll be a bit of relief. And then from there, maybe see how it goes. Right. Okay, well, we'll talk more later, but uh, let's go to a summary and a look at the recent form of the Netherlands. So, Netherlands was a weak team in the early years. Uh, that they reached two World Cups uh, before the war is a bit deceptive, since they played and lost only one game in each of them. They remained a non-entity uh, after the war, uh, until 1974, actually, when they burst onto the scene. Great success in that decade ended as suddenly as it began, and they went back to being a weak team until a surprise Euro Cup win set them on track for the next 25 years. That was in 1988. Uh, uh, since then, they never fell at the group stage in all those years, 
with only one blip of not reaching the World Cup in 2002. But that lapse perhaps hinted at a defining feature from 2012, where infighting within the team was at least part of the problem. After a terrible period from 2015, uh, missing three major tournaments in a row, they seemed to be finding their form again, passing the group stage in 2020 and qualifying for the 2022 World Cup. That they fell so unexpectedly in the round of 16 in 2020 is a worry, uh, showing them still capable of, catas- uh, of catastrophic losses. Um, perhaps um, a factor in that was, again, the team dynamic, because there was a lot of dissent over the manager, at least among the fans. Uh, their consistent play, though, in Euro- European Nations League action is the form they want going forward. All right. Uh, Okay, let's move straight on to Senegal uh, with a summary uh, and then a look at their form. So they've had three periods of strength, though only two of them really reflected in the World Cup. Uh, A good start in the African Cup doesn't really count as it was too short. Uh, It was better than the long week period that followed, though. The early 90s saw three trips in a row beyond the group stage of the African Cup, but that didn't reflect in World Cup play. Uh, Four trips past the African Cup group stage from 2000 to 2006 reflected only in their 2002 World Cup appearance, though they did reach the quarterfinals in an impressive showing there. The third strong period is the current times, and arguably the strongest with an African Cup title and for the first time two trips in a row to the World Cup. After a flat period from 2008 to 2015, they finally passed a group stage of the African Cup in 2017. They also reached the World Cup in 2018 for the first time since 2002. They've grown even stronger with a second place and a first place finish in the African Cup, which was their first title. And shortly after, they reached a second World Cup in a row, so they really are at a peak of performance. Okay, and finally, Ecuador. Uh, The discrepancy between the successful World Cup record in recent years contrasted with a poor Copa America record, which is often put down to their home form. They play at uh, such a high altitude that visitors struggle. While that's true, a close examination shows that to be a bit too simplistic because the pattern doesn't always hold. Though very much better at home, they do lose some games there, and in other high-altitude countries like Bolivia, uh, they, um, they also don't always do well. And more to the point, they do win some road games in their successful World Cup campaigns and uh, notably earn some points, uh, even some wins, in every World Cup final that they have reached. Regardless, they do consistently underperform in Copa America campaigns, and their atrocious record there is uncanny and not in line with the greater uh, greater strength shown outside of that competition. Yeah, they are a bit of an enigma. Mm -hmm. Um, Their differing fortunes in World Cup versus uh, Copa America play seemed to come into line in 2016, where they proved the competitive middling team that they have shown in World Cup play. But a ghastly World Cup campaign in 2018 argued they were, in fact, the weak team in the region that their poor Copa America record show. More recent campaigns only confuse the issue further and perhaps bolster the altitude advantage argument, uh, even if it's not consistent enough to be a predictive tool. All right. Well, that that predictive tool would uh, 
suggest that they will do poorly here, but let's uh, take a look at their rankings. Uh, sorry, YouTube people, I kind of forgot to keep up with the graphics as we were going through those uh, summaries. But uh, I'm back on track now, and we are uh, to the rankings. So let's take a look at how FIFA and what we consider the more reliable ELO rankings uh, place where they place these teams. Yeah, so Qatar, of course, are the pot one team as host. So that's a significant advantage in itself. Um, they were 51st at the time of the FIFA draw, but are currently 49th in FIFA and 48th in ELO. Um, and that is, um, yeah, so the two systems are in agreement there. Um, they actually uh, rose dramatically uh, following their Asian Cup win, as to be expected, kind of rising to 55th and as high as 28th in ELO. Um, and previously, they were kind of a team that often sat around the, the 100 mark or, or a little bit higher in the ELO system. Yeah, we saw in the uh, history there that they really were not a factor, even in, in Asian soccer, uh, until really until they started preparing for this World Cup. So, uh, yeah, below 100 in FIFA rankings and close to that in ELO rankings for most of their history. Uh, okay, how about Netherlands? So Netherlands are the pot two team. They're currently ranked eighth by FIFA and sixth in the ELO system. Um, their ranking over time kind of reflects their up and down history. Uh, they were second in the world in both systems uh, following their World Cup um, final loss in 2010, then sunk dramatically through those non-qualifications at uh, the 32nd and 17. Um, but they've risen again recently, um, perhaps on the, on the back of some good Nations League play. Yeah, I agree with ELO rankings there. You know, that says they sunk as low as 17th. And uh, even though they, they were not kind of making tournaments, uh, they were still a, a fairly strong team. So uh, I wouldn't say 32nd uh, at any point in their recent history was would be really where they were at. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I see them as consistently top 20 and, and often or sometimes top 10 in um, yeah, both systems agree that they're there now. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how they do in this cup, having not reached uh, three tournaments in a row before this. Uh, oh, okay, we're not on to head-to-head. -to -head. We're uh, doing Senegal's uh, rankings. Yeah, Senegal, the pot three team, they're 18th in FIFA and 36th in ELO. Um, yeah, so they, of course, have... Uh, have risen as well given their their strong regional cup play current uh, defending african cup champions um the fifa system tends to be a bit more reactive and and has kind of seen a sharper rise following those successes um but they've actually been kind of consistently higher in the fifa rankings um kind of around the 20 mark and closer to the 30s um in elo yeah, uh, you know, Senegal's uh, uh, fans have always seemed to kind of think that they, they're, they're a better team than, than there was actually evidence for. And uh, it didn't come up in this, uh, uh, in this uh, podcast, but um, I think in one of the African Cup podcasts we did, there was a, a, a detail about the fans rioting when they lost to Ivory Coast or a fairly uh, competitive team. And that, that always baffled me that, uh, you know, the fans' expectations that they they should be beating a team uh, as good as Cameroon or Ivory Coast or whoever it was. Uh, but it's actually only in recent times that they have 
they have been the teams and maybe in 2002, uh, you know, but they've never really been a top team in Africa uh, apart from those two periods. Yeah, they are currently the top ranked of the African teams that made this tournament. Would you agree with that? Oh, I think they're definitely the strongest African team right now uh, over the last few years. Uh, yeah. I just don't think that they've they've you know uh, they've been a top uh, a top say top team in Africa uh, the way their fans, <laughs> but rioting in the streets over a loss suggests that they think uh, you know Senegal is really a top team. Yeah. The last team is Ecuador. They're from pot four. Uh, they're 44th um, in FIFA uh, currently and are 18th in ELO. So kind of a, a marked discrepancy there. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, they've shown a, a kind of a, a recent improvement on the on the back of a strong World Cup qualification campaign. Um, you agree more with either the FIFA or ELO at, um, system here? I think uh, what they finished fourth in South America. I think um, basically the fourth place team in South America is probably worthy of being in the cup and are among the top 32 teams in the world. So I think uh, 44th is a bit too low, but I think 18th is a bit too high. How about you? Yeah, I, I find kind of somewhere in between kind of the, the sweet spot for them. A little surprised by ELO. Um, but also a little bit surprised by FIFA that they're they're not there. They do do well in World Cups, but perhaps the the lack of agreement kind of comes out of that uh, discrepancy in form that they show in World Cup and um, you know Copa America play. Maybe even the systems don't really know how to deal with such a yeah yeah. I mean that that 2018 qualifying campaign was incredible. With during the space of that uh, qualification, two really strong periods and two really weak periods. How do you rank a team like that? Yeah. And then, you know, their home and away, uh, their home and away thing also makes it difficult to, uh, to rank. All right, well, let's move on to the head-to-head. -head, and uh, this is going to be a really long discussion, I think. Yeah, actually not. Um, none of these teams have ever met each other uh, in uh, competitive play before. Uh, perhaps not a surprise, as these are teams that kind of throughout the histories haven't qualified for all that many World Cups. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, the record will start, I guess, come November. But uh, yeah, no no head to head to speak of, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> well, that ends that discussion. We'll uh, take a look at the. Um, I want to start with no. We'll uh, move on to odds, and then maybe talk about the table that they came from. Uh, so what we did for odds, we're not encouraging gambling here, uh, but we do want to see what the uh, odds makers, there's money on the line, so they're going to be careful about the predictions that they make. So we uh, we took the numbers from, I think, five websites, and then we took the, the three most uh, outside ones and put them together to come up with our own little uh, algorithm on uh, the odds to qualify. So these are the odds to advance from the group. Yeah, so Qatar is given just a 16% likelihood of advancing from the group. Uh, the Netherlands are 89%. Um, so, yeah, strongly favored to, to pass the group stage. Senegal have 57% odds and Ecuador 50%. All right, well, let's... Um... Let's begin the discussion there. Uh, uh, do you agree with those odds, Connor? Um, I don't. I, I think um, 
I mean, I think Netherlands will be favored to to win the group, um, but they've proven a bit of an inconsistent team. Um, but yeah, I, I think Qatar being underestimated. Um, it's interesting actually to compare Senegal and um, and Ecuador because in the FIFA rankings, Senegal are 18th and Ecuador 44th. So it's a clear advantage for Senegal. But in ELO, Ecuador 18th and Senegal 36th. So that's wow. a clear advantage for Ecuador. So some of the discrepancy there kind of averages out to Senegal and Ecuador being about equal, you know, roughly equal odds or similar odds to advance. But even there, I don't entirely agree as I would favor Senegal more. Uh, sorry, you, you favor, well, the odds do favor Senegal a bit more there. Yeah, I, w I think the gap perhaps should be wider. I oh. think Senegal coming in as strong as they are, um, gotcha. yeah, probably more more chance of advancing than Ecuador. But yeah, yeah. What, what is your take? I mean, I have to agree with you about the Netherlands because, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, Belgium in Group 3, and we won't go into too much detail, but it's Belgium, Croatia, uh, Morocco, and Canada. They're given a 90% or 90 or 91% chance. Brazil is with uh, Switzerland, Serbia, and Cameroon. Uh, they're given a 90, 91% chance. I don't think Netherlands is even close to that, uh, given their lapses, uh, uh, both in cups and in qualifying. I think, um, you know, there's a much stronger possi possibility uh, of them dropping points to these teams and possibly not even passing. Do you see Netherlands as uh, not passing? Do you think there's a way there? I don't, and I think, um, I mean, there's not really a true pot one team. Each of the teams comes from relatively the top of their pot, but Qatar being the host, um, you know, it's kind of a, it's a different kind of home field advantage that favors Qatar, but but Netherlands are, are the only top 10 team in the world in this group, and I think that's fair. Um, they don't kind of have really a true um, pot one team to play against, so I think Netherlands, who who could find themselves as a, as a pop one team themselves quite realistically. I think they, they are the heavy favorites to advance and, and probably win the group as well. Yeah. I mean, certainly they do have a, a bit of an advantage. As you say, they're pretty close to pot one themselves, but they are pot two. And uh, had they not been put with a uh, host guitar, they would have been put with a team like, you know, Brazil or Argentina, Spain, something like that. And uh, it would have been a much tougher group for them but yeah i gotta say given the um given the group they're in uh i do think 89 is a, is a bit high but um would be a bit of a surprise uh, for them not to pass the not to pass the group stage having said that um uh you know european teams uh um uh in history at least uh, didn't do as well in cups outside of europe as they've done in cups uh, uh, within Europe. Uh, having said that, though, Netherlands uh, did uh, did uh, beat um, Brazil uh, uh, in in the 2014 World Cup, and they beat Spain 5-1. So who knows? Um, they also tend to kind of have strong group stages, and if they do lapse, it tends to be a bit later in the process. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. Um, in terms of Qatar, I mean, they haven't been in a World Cup before, so some may think of them as a bit of an unknown entity, but that's only if you haven't been paying attention to what they've been doing for the last several years, where they've played a lot of games and played a lot of tournaments. Um, you know, you and I have watched Qatar ourselves, and they're, they're quite an impressive team. 
Um, and not only that, but they have a really a core of players and some very good ones who've been playing together now for a very long time. So team unity, I don't, I don't think any team can boast the team unity um, that Qatar has. Um, you know, all their players play domestically as well. Um, but they've really been building towards this. Um, and they're going to give it a good shot. So what do you think about uh, Qatar in this World Cup? Yeah, I first of all, I think this rating of 16% uh, is way too low because I give them a fairly equal, uh, a fairly equal advantage, uh, a chance as, as Ecuador. And, you know, maybe slightly below Senegal, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if as hosts, they uh, overcome Senegal. And uh, I think you really put your finger on something there with the team unity. Uh, we've seen how uh, Uruguay, which also has about 2.5 million citizens, uh, have done in the World Cup, and they've often done it through uh, being a very tight team. So I think teams like Uruguay and Wales and, and Canada, I'm happy to say, um, tend to be better than the sum of their parts. And uh, I think Qatar could really surprise at this World Cup. Yeah. I, I do think that the the race that the race for second place is kind of a three way race between Qatar, Senegal, and Ecuador. Um, Senegal are African champions. Uh, they've proven to be fairly strong and consistent, and beat a lot of other top African teams recently. So, you know, I think a lot of people will will favor them, and perhaps rightly so. And I think in terms of just just players, some of the players they have playing on top teams in in Europe and and elsewhere. They're a very impressive team right now, and they've, yeah. they've shown it. Um, but, yeah, by um, far the strongest African team, I would say. Yeah, but they were a little bit flat in twenty eight in the 2018 World Cup. It was a group that they were very capable of getting out of. Nearly did, but it was kind of disappointing for them there. I think they'll carry a lot of hopes to get out of this group, but it's going to be tough against the hosts. Um, I think a lot comes down to their match against Qatar, um, and that's actually the, the second game for both teams. Um, but it could come down to that one. I, I see Ecuador as a, as a little bit further behind just because, you know, Senegal are at a very strong point and have some top players. Qatar being at home and all the preparation that's gone into this. I think Ecuador are, are probably in a little bit tough, but I, yeah. I think it could come down to Qatar and Senegal for second place. Yeah, I think uh, that's a good point, you know. Um, uh... The, obviously, Qatar have uh, the climate or the, you know, the, the weather advantage being familiar with the climate. I think Senegal have probably played quite a few games in a climate like that, whereas Ecuador, uh, you know, may be taken by surprise by it, possibly Netherlands, uh, possibly the Netherlands too. Another thing you said that is, uh, you know, even in the African Cup win, Senegal was kind of uh, flat. I mean, they... They have the odd moment where they're like, oh, my God, they're so impressive. Uh, but those moments are few and far between. And if you look at the African Cups, it was kind of one nothing wins uh, all the way to the to the last two finals. And I was always kind of waiting for them to show their stuff because they have those talented players uh, that you talk about. But, um, you know, apart from Sadio Mane, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, uh, very brief where they really... Uh, kick into gear and show their stuff. And it is a bit worrying that they didn't do that in the 2018 World Cup too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was going to also respond. I, I also think it's a bit of a three-way 
uh, a bit of a three-way battle for second place. Uh, but I think uh, um, there are other groups uh, that we're, we're, we're going to say that about. Uh, I think, though, Netherlands uh, is is more um, susceptible to giving up a few points there than, than some of the other teams uh, in other groups, some of the other top teams in other groups. I agree. I don't see the Netherlands winning all three games. I think, you know, pretty much any team, especially Qatar and Senegal, are capable of tying them. Um, I mean, it may be the case that Netherlands romps through because they've done that before, but um, I think each game is likely to be quite competitive, and it could be a group where the margin from first place to last place is actually not as going to be that great um, compared to other groups. I, I think this one will be will be tight um, kind of all the way through. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I, I want to maybe uh, bring the discussion to a close by asking if you think the order of games uh, is a factor here. Um, I think it could be. I think it always can be. Um, and, and probably if there is an advantage to be gained, it's from, you know, hopefully in your last game, you're playing someone who is perhaps out of it or already advanced. Um, so in that case, if, if Netherlands do happen to win their first two games against Senegal and Ecuador, you know, they could go into that game against Qatar, perhaps with the ability to rest some of their top talent, um, which could give Qatar a bit of an edge. Um, do you see it the same way? Uh, definitely. I think uh, Qatar has the luckiest grouping there because, uh, you know, Netherlands will be anxious to win their first couple of games. You never know what's going to happen against the host. So I think uh, I think they'll be pushing to to see themselves through in two games. And Ecuador and Senegal uh, is almost sure to be, um, you know, a battle. I doubt either of those teams will be out by that point. Um, yeah, uh, just, yeah, just a word on Ecuador. Um, I mean, they're a competitive team, and how they got here is not to not to be dismissed. They got here ahead of Colombia and Chile and Paraguay and some other really good teams. Uh -huh. um, however, I, I think, um, as we've seen in past World Cups, getting to the World Cup is an achievement, especially in a difficult uh, South America grouping. Um, but I don't really see them being among the top 16 teams to really advance. I think they'll be competitive. Yeah. As they've proven in every World Cup they've been in so far, you know, they haven't gone home with no points. They, they do get draws and occasionally wins. Um, but I think kind of their, their typical place of a group stage exit is what we'll see here. Yeah, that thought struck me, actually, as I was saying, it, is that possibly Ecuador could be going into the third game, uh, third game with no points. So I'm glad you jumped in there. Um I mean, it'll be really interesting to see. We kind of have to see how the first two games play out. Uh, but they can have a big influence, as you say, if some of the teams are coming in with no points or with uh, having already secured advancement. Uh, okay, well, uh, I don't really have anything to add. Uh, how about you? I know you've been squirming uh, to avoid giving a... Uh, uh, prediction here, but I'm I'm going to pin you down. Lay it on me, Connor, unless you have something to add to the discussion. Give me a prediction, man. I'm going to go with Netherlands in first place. Um, I'm actually going to give the edge to the host Qatar. I think they'll advance um, in second place. I think Senegal will be third and Ecuador will be last. Uh, okay, well, that is bold indeed, but uh, it does kind of uh, favor the hosts who as you say, only one host has ever failed to path. 
so that would uh, keep up that record. I got to say, when I when I wrote it down, I've been kind of all over the place. So I predicted Netherlands first, um, although I, I I do see the possibility of them lapsing. Um, I'm going to pick Senegal second and Qatar third and Ecuador uh, fourth. I think both Qatar and Senegal and, and Ecuador, to that matter, too, will see this as a real opportunity, um, you know, to get through and to really achieve something great. I mean, it's not probably the toughest of all groups, yeah. um, but it's going to be competitive. But it could be a real opportunity for one of these teams to perform very well and uh, kind of ride a wave into the round of 16. Yeah, it is a real opportunity because, as you say, there's no kind of real top team here. So those uh, those teams behind the Netherlands will be uh, kind of uh, hungrily eyeing that second place spot as a rare opportunity. All right. Well, that brings us to the uh, end of the podcast. And thanks for listening. Yeah, uh, those who are unfamiliar with our podcast might want to keep listening for some information um, on some of our previous uh, series. But if you're turning off now, goodbye, and we'll hope you'll tune in to our next in the series. Yeah, we are Soccer Files Canada, and this is the International Soccer Preview. And as Connor said, we'll stay on the line here to uh, give a little bit more information. But if you're signing off now, hope to see you in our next uh, in our next media cast. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, uh, for the listening, we've done nine different series of podcasts if you're interested in a deeper dive. Uh, Some of the information may be dated, but some of the histories focus on different aspects of the team histories, so it can help you to get to know teams more intimately. Yes, as mentioned, this is our 10th series, and we have done at least one series on every region except Oceania. We have files for that region too, and we'll do one down the road so as not to leave them out. But let's go region by region. Uh, right. So Europe, our first series was a group by group podcast on the teams of Euro 2020. Uh, that was played in the summer of 2021. And uh, for South America, we also did a group by group podcast on the teams in Copa America 2021. For North America, we have done three series on CONCACAF. The first was a group by group podcast on the teams in the 2021 Gold Cup. That included a look at Qatar. The second was a preview of the eight teams in the final round of World Cup CONCACAF qualifying. That came with our first player series where we went team by team through the players. The third was an update halfway through that qualification. Yes, and for uh, Asia, we did a group by group podcast on the 12 teams in the final round of World Cup qualifying. And that included a deep dive into each team's World Cup qualifying history. We have done three series on African teams. The first was a group-by-group podcast on the 24 teams in the 2021 African Cup, played in early 2022. The second, done around the same time, was a team-by-team series on the players for each of those teams. Third and finally, we have recently concluded a series on almost all teams in Africa, a group-by-group examination of the 12 qualifying groups for the 2023 African Cup. This included a deep dive into their African Cup history, which is quite extensive. This provides a look into some of the lesser teams that rarely even qualify for the African Cup. Right, and we realize that not everyone is interested in the level of detail that we go into. 
So starting from that series, the 2023 African Cup series, uh, we're editing our media, media casts into shorter versions. Uh, generally, for groups and teams, this will just be a summary, uh, a summary uh, and discussion segments of the longer podcasts. And for the player, uh, the player ones, just the sections on the squad's overall strength and a list of the uh, main players that we expect to reach the competition. So uh, that's usually two or three groups per episode. Yes, otherwise each long version of the series contains a deep dive into the matter at hand. So if it's African Cup qualification, for example, it's a deep dive into the team's history of African Cup qualification. Or if it's the World Cup qualification, a deep dive into each team's history and qualifying for the World Cup. Right, and all of those podcasts can be found in our library at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. That's soccerfiles with a PH in the middle and an S at the end. And uh, we also provide a link to our website and other relevant material in the show notes for each uh, media cast. And in general, uh, to find us, you can type Soccer Files Canada into Google, and uh, it's easy to find your way from there. Or just check out the show notes for this or any of our media casts, and it'll be easy to navigate uh, from there. Okay, see you in our future media casts.